0: Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. My name is Andy Lipson. I'm joined uh, by Jessica, here as a co-host of What's Left. Uh, Eduardo and Kenny are away for the week. Kenny's in in Mexico, Eduardo's in Colombia. Um, So it's just going to be us two interviewing our guest today. Um, What's Left is online at what s leftwebnodecom You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. And please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episodes. And jot down our information wherever you find this episode. Um, so, as I said before, we are joined by a special guest we've actually had before. Uh, his name is James DeShane, a father, family man, and an ELD teacher in LA Unified School District. Um, and we've interviewed James before, and uh, he, we kind of wanted to come back to... Well, I guess I want to say a little bit about that interview, James. Um, first of all, welcome.
1: Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Jessica.
0: Yeah. And um, first off, james is James kind of contacted us because he had been listening listening to what's left. Um, and we're a bunch of Marxists over here, and James is definitely hails more from that conservative side. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he really liked what we were doing, and he said, we had helped him kind of break out of some of the isolation, the sense that he was crazy, you know, for questioning COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that time, I've just James it's really just been great to get to know you. You've been a big part for me of uh, the idea about this idea of a left-right divide of how we can actually join. And even though you and I aren't going to see eye to eye on questions, I just have an immense trust of you um, and, and faith in your principles. Um, and know you're going to be honest with me. And I remember even during my own crisis with the school district admission in the San Francisco Unified, you were somebody who I talked to about, about how, what I was going through. And so I really value the fact that we interviewed you way back when, uh, and then you reached out to us. Um, but I, it's great that on a few occasions, some of these things turn into friendships, like getting to know Jessica and getting to know Jake. Um, and James, I, I'm really honored to consider you a friend now. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. The feeling is absolutely mutual. It's uh, been a a great experience to get to know you and Eduardo and everybody in the What's Left uh, family. Yes. Yeah. And uh, just thank you.
0: Right right back at you, Andy.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: And Jessica, I know I mentioned this before the episode, but one of the reasons there's actually a connection between our interview with James and you, because if you look at that episode, the, the first letter response on that was from Jay Holming. And you had written to us after seeing the episode where we interviewed James and told us about you being like a college professor, kind of isolated. And that's what caused us to reach out to you and started our conversations that led to our interview of you then June. Um, so actually there's a lot of, things going on here that are sync synchronicity or something
2: yeah I can't believe it's been a year since those first interviews that I think we were pretty close together yeah back, but. yeah oh my
0: does gosh it, does it feel longer or shorter
2: well shorter but then when you think about all the changes we've all gone through yes. I guess it feels like lifetimes ago
0: <laughs> that's true I you're right it, I feel like a lot of changes have, so much change compared to that feels like it feels like a short time time, fear, time period time um, so James, you had reached out to me about giving us an update. Um, but I first want to go back to my overview of what I remember from what you had said in your first interview. And obviously you can correct anything I get wrong. Um, number one, um, you had a real question of the COVID narrative from the jump. It was very much connected to your strong Catholic views and to your views and learning about Catholicism was when you questioned, uh, you know, about, uh, abortion and you were like. And saw it, and you saw that stuff connected to eugenics. And you saw a history of eugenics and a, an attempt to depopulate the planet. And you were like, "Wait!" You started to look at what was going on with COVID, like and the way it was being responded to, like a depopulation agenda. That was the biggest thing that you were—you didn't want to be right, but that's what you were afraid of. Um, and you were—and um, you were. I, one of the things that I thought was so great about what you had said was you didn't necessarily know what. But the truth was, but you knew you were being lied to. Um, and you knew that the the jet the things they were saying about PCR tests, another thing that you thought oh, that was a big thing for you. You I remember you showed a video or a, a picture of the actual PCR test and written on it was saying for research use only, not for diagnostic. It's yes, like, it wait, it's actually on the thing. You can't yes. use it this way. <laughs> and they're using it way millions and millions of times. Um, so you were like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. And the other thing was, you were less at that time for you. It, I don't remember as being much of, as as much about the digital stuff about the, the fourth industrial revolution. That was something you were becoming kind of aware of. But mm-hmm. the biggest reasons for being against this was it was a lie. It was destroying education. And you could and you thought the deeper lie was a, a depopulation agenda um, that you were seeing. Um, and, and then there were other things you said that I think, though, that did, and I, maybe I can show a quote later that did show that you, that you were starting to see that this was leading to us down a very dark road in education, a very impersonal road. Um, and, um, and so that would be my summary of, of what would describe kind of some of the highlights from that last interview. Oh, and I think we also asked you about like, are you afraid to be for your job? And at the time, you weren't willing to do it because of you weren't willing to like, you weren't willing to be masked. You, you didn't like the mask stuff. You didn't like the testing, and of course, the vaccinations wasn't a mandate at that time. But it, you felt it was coming, and mm-hmm. you, you weren't willing to teach under those conditions. And you, you were, you still had a job, but you worried about what things were going to be like in August as we returned. I um, think yes. that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. Hmm yes
1: that that that's a good recap of the, of the whole thing. The only thing I would add about the um you touched upon the eugenics uh, eugenics and um that kind of historical background was something that I had uh read into some authors, maybe about uh, maybe fifteen years or so ago that were not not prime not most uh not all Catholic authors, but there were some Catholic authors that had gone into like Margaret Sanger and Galton and, and um, these, yeah, like that that historical movement, uh, Malthus and all that, that, you know, the world is overpopulated. And, and so I, when I saw the hi- historical through line and saw some of the videos uh, like TED Talks from Bill Gates and things like that, was said, they make no bones about it. They, they're, they're right out there saying it, you know, and they might, um, fudge their words uh, a very little bit, maybe tweak it a little bit, but um, you'd you'd have to basically want to just roll over and accept anything the man says, and and just want to give him the benefit of the, the doubt of everything the guy says. If you were going to just look the other way, and I just said, wait a minute, you know, let let's let's he's actually saying this. If we can. Do, he said something like the effect of, if we can do a really good job with vaccines, we can bring, you've seen that quote, right? Yeah. Bring it down, whatever he said, uh, you know, the several bill, billion. But the other thing, just one quick point about that also, um, I think I mentioned her to you before, Andy, um, obi anuju Becky Osha from Nigeria, she's, she's amazing. And when she, she's done so much work on uh, how the, like the, she calls it like the new colonialism of Africa and how the West is taking over, has, has really tried to take over uh, Africa again with their policies of birth control and abortion and the whole thing just forced upon them. And she's, she's just, um, you know, uh, a major force in, in fighting against um, Gates. And it was through through her videos that I saw, uh, like what he, what he had done with his organization um, in India with the para- paralyzing of, of, of kids, uh, what it was, I think it was like tetanus shots or something, I could have it confused. But the two countries, were it was India and Kenya where a lot of damage was done. And, and this was not just like pre, just pre-COVID. This was going on a long time ago too. So you know, at least back in the early 2000s, I would say, so that that just put it, well, okay, this is who they are, and now we can't just say turn a blind eye because, oh, Africa's so poor or whatever, you know and and now it's here, and what are we going to do about it now so that that's all it was. I just wanted to kind of tie that in and give give um you know respect to um be for
0: really really waking me up with that mm-hmm. um, and jessica do you have any either questions or comments to make or should i no
2: i just kind of want to hear like what journey you've been on the past year since
0: <laughs> we left. some of the questions i'd like to ask james are not just the technical questions of what he's been through the district but like yeah where how do you feel like he's i feel like how have you changed in that year since the interview we went through that initial year of pandemic
1: and scamdemic and the whole thing so, so 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 we've been through that and that now for this you know COVID part two year we're going through it again it has these different different ways to try to navigate through work and and family life and um uh the whole changes with um commerce and jobs and, and shopping and and all of that and they keep throwing these new uh curveballs at us to try to deal with it. So um the the worst part of uh the shutdown year the four of us in my family we 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 got through it I think really really well you know thankfully um we were very upset during that time with the way um, most of the uh, Catholic archdiocese kind of just rolled over to the COVID narrative and, and shut down the churches. And um, you had priests with rubber gloves on handing out the Eucharist and things like that. And that was that that was really, really troubling to me as, as you know, uh, trying to be a you know, faithful Catholic. So, well, what is this? Do you believe in this as real or are you playing with us? Or are you just, you know, it would be like it, it was, you know, on one level you think, are they, are they just doing this because they think we're so afraid? Like a little kid say, look, I looked under the bed and there's no monsters under there, so it's safe. Go to sleep now. I say, we're gonna put these on and put a face mask on and and we're gonna like throw the throw the host at you almost. Now that that's how that's how bad it bad it was at, at some churches. So you know, that was, that was really bothersome. And, uh, you know, having to watch it on TV when everything was shut down, like, you know, that was like, you know, this is not right. So anyway, as time went on, we found a church where, uh, a church where the priest was not on board with it at all, but he had to do his dance around the, the, the LA was going to shut him down. If, you know, if we didn't at least pretend to wear the masks and everything and 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 this church continued to give uh, communion on the tongue where other churches refused to do that. So you know we got through this, and that was a that was like finding like a place to be grounded, and and go each week. And and we saw that this church was growing. That you know the other churches were kind of like the average age is like seventy. You know, at some of them, and this church you see like. So wow, did I go back in time to like 1955 or something? And you know, there's big families, there's young people there, and that's a surprising thing too—to go to church and see um, young people there in a Catholic church. So, so that was, I think, a grounding spot for us, you know. And I knew other people uh, that I work with that I see there as well, and the four of us really love that. And then we find out that in the new school year. Uh, they're going to do this, like, you know, Andy, Jessica, they're going to do the vaccine mandate. Okay. So, okay. So the reason I brought that up about the church was we, we had that good sense of, we feel good here and and this is going to be a place that we can continue to be at. So we're deciding what to do about the kids, both, both my son and daughter in high school. And I know we're not going to do the, the vaccine. Uh, at the start of this, this school year 2021 in August, I told my uh, principal, I didn't want to go back wearing the mask or do the PCR test. And I wasn't going to do any vaccine mandate. So tell me what I need to do. I want to, uh, I want to get a religious accommodation and so forth. And she says, well, we don't really have that. Uh, you know, we're not going to do the vaccine mandate. So are uh, you just going to have to come back and wear the mask? I said, well, I'm not going to do it. Like I told you Last spring, when you let me stay online, I'm I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna do that. I can't do that, and so she just ignored my emails and and at the start of the school year, you know, my wife was just like, look, pick your battles. You know, the vaccine is most important, um, and so she didn't have a problem with the mask, and um so she just went back to her elementary job and, and wore the mask, and she was okay with the testing, but we. You know, she would only do the saliva test. And same thing for my kids. They only agreed to do the saliva test. That seemed like, a uh, you know, it was a compromise, right? So I was going to be a holdout. And then in August, you know, I just said, you know, I, I want to go to this online academy. August 20, 2021, right? The start of the school year. And uh, the principal says, well, I don't have any information on that. I don't have any other information for you. Uh, you need to show up at work. I said, well, I'm not going to show up until I find out an answer one way or another. And then as I'm and it went like two weeks where I just stayed home and it was weird that, that, that was weird because you know me, Andy, I'm a guy that likes to get up and go to work every day. And I, you know, I don't rock the boat, you know, and I just think, you know, I'm not like I'm not always the type of person in in, in more than 20 years with uh, LA Unified. I was never like banging on the principal's door to go complain about something. I wasn't hounding the chapter chair over, you know, some, you know, what I figured just, you know, just ignore it. Right. So, but this was, I can't, I can't do it. So my wife was pretty nervous, like, you know, and really stubborn, just, just what's the big deal. It's just a mask. But to me, it just wasn't. So I was really, I was really struggling with this, you know, and my, you know, my son and daughter agreed with me, they didn't like them either, but at the same time, you know, they didn't want to be online anymore and they wanted to be with their friends. So that was, so that, that's where we were at as like the four of us, you know, so then while I was doing the holdout thing and I'm thinking, how am I going to get paid for these two weeks or whatever, am I, you know, is is this going to come out of my sick pay, whatever. So they, they, in LAUSD, they sent out an email and said, everyone must be vaccinated by October 15th, right? That was the, that was the, the line. And so I wife says, what are we going to do? So we agreed that we weren't going to get it, number one, and our kids weren't going to get it. That was, that was number one. But my, my wife, Thelma was, now she won't mind me saying this she was struggling with it. you know she she's like you know if we don't do it we're going to lose our job and she was really afraid I said we're not going to lose our job we're not going to lose our job so we had we had a lot of really serious uh, conversations um i don't i won't go into it too too much because she should be able to you know give her part so to say about that too but uh the long and short of it is uh, Andy um, against my <laughs> against my Better sense. I, I I still wanted to hold out, but Thelma and I talked about it, and she said, "I think you ought to pick your battle. Do go at least go back to show your principle that it's kind of like you know good faith. You're you're not a nut job, you know. Agree. Do the spit test and um and and wear the mask, you know. So I had a friend of mine who was a former chapter chair, uh, another guy that you know we, we you know both Catholics and stuff. We were talking, and so we were talking about that, and he was just like. It was just like, just go back and wear the mask, and then you know. And I was like, not that simple. Anyway, I I agreed to go back, and the principal was just happy. Okay, come back. You you know, if you wear the mask, and then my wife and I say, we'll just draw the line at the at the uh, vaccine. So I went back in like late August, and everybody was like, happy. Hey, you're back. Oh, you didn't go online and all that, and, and a lot of people didn't know about. I guess my stance about the vaccine, maybe some of them thought that I was like COVID phobic or really afraid of, you know, you know, that. And so like, Oh, we're so glad you're back. It isn't so bad, you know? And, and i <laughs> sounds like, okay, well, they don't really know but glad you're back. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm back and, um, days are getting closer to October 15th and just. You know that's when it really got um, touchy for Thelma and I, because she's like, I don't know, I think I'm just going to go do it. I think I'm going to do it. I said, Don't do it, don't do it. It's not safe. And and all those other, I'm not touching upon why I didn't want to do it. it wasn't strictly it wasn't strictly from uh, you know a religious standpoint, although that was what I felt was the uh, foundation of that gave me the sense of. Um, This this is not who who I am. It doesn't mean that I'm like a a, a Christian Scientist or something that wouldn't do a blood transfusion or something like that. You know, it was it was more like you're asking me to do something that I'm not sure about and hasn't been proven to me to be uh, beneficial in any way. And and you're ordering ordering me to do that. And that's how I felt about the masks too. You're ordering me to do something that has no no proven uh, you know medical you know uh beneficent for right and uh benefit and the same thing with the pcr test which i thought was just a total fraud so as it got closer um we you know i had to fill out new paperwork so we got a a a wonderful letter from uh our parish priest and it was all laid out the reasons why we, we can say you know in good conscience to not go along with, um, a vaccine in any way. It had to do with the research involving the, uh, you know, the, the fetal cells it had, you know, it was, a, it was well-written. It was all, it was a, uh, it was a good letter and we thought this will be our backup. We shouldn't have to, uh, we shouldn't have to present any kind of religious test or anything. I think that that is really, really bogus that they would try to make us try to, you know, prove your sincerity in some way. Um, which that that really went against my my feelings as well. I thought, okay, well, um, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'll go with this. Passed in the paperwork. We hear nothing, and then out of the blue, my wife gets an acceptance letter. Uh, we're happy. You know, October. You're going to be um, online, and I still hadn't hadn't heard, and um, and then. Right before the deadline, October fifteenth, you know, and I, I had been like getting stuff out of my classroom for like all of the month of September, you know, just like farming it out to other teachers that needed stuff. My my buddy who also taught ELD, his room was kind of like the room where everybody put all their stuff, and so he. Said, so I kept on, you know, he he knew where I stood on it, on the vaccine and everything. And I kept on sending like the projector and all different things, boxes of paper and stuff back to his room. He said, "Gee, I, I feel like uh, we're breaking up or something." You're giving me back all the stuff, you know. And 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 uh, that was it. But so by the time the fifteenth rolled, I still hadn't heard. Said, "Turn in your keys, turn in your roll book, and turn in your laptop." So uh, at the eleventh hour, I get an email that says. Oh, uh, keep your laptop. And I thought, hmm. Well, that's kind of that's kind of weird, you know. So all right, I'll keep the laptop. And so the fifteenth comes. I say goodbye to a few people. I turn in my key, turn in my roll book, and I leave. I left very high. I wasn't wheeling out like a big cart full of stuff. I left with basically, you know, just the laptop under my arm, and I said, you know, see you later. And because uh, that was the good thing about jettisoning. You know, all of this stuff, you know, and not have to worry about it, too. The, the stuff that I did enjoy having, like certain teacher's guides for like animal farm and stuff. You know, I, I hung on to that and just it was in the trunk of my car. So traveling life is a, is a, was a good thing. So I don't know what's going on. And uh, no one's telling me anything. So I'm happy that Thelma's got her online gig you're not gonna mess with my kids. They, they decided to let the kids stay on campus and not, not get vaccinated. So that was good. So then as a, as a, so a friend of mine that was going through the same, same thing, we both got, I guess a bunch of teachers got these, uh, this email that said, um, the district is preparing to remove you from employment or something like that. You must attend this pre-disciplinary hearing and uh that was like in october like october 20th and uh i said hey you know uh, i've applied for this uh reasonable accommodation religious uh exemption and all that not hearing anything so um i get an email from this like regional superintendent i had met him before when i was at uh, dean and his office was like near our ninth grade campus so I kind of knew the guy, at least he probably knew my name. So he sent me this email and it says, our records show that you haven't been vaccinated. Uh, we want to encourage you to remain safe and do, you know, do what you need to do to keep, you know, L- our LAUSD family safe. And so I thought, hmm, it can't hurt. So I uh, sent him an email and explained what was going on with me. And said, I said, I don't want to get this vaccine, but I, I put in for this exemption what's going on maybe if you know something have some advice for me well he emailed me back and he said thanks for letting me know this i didn't know that you were going through this email this is the guy that's handling your case so i thought that can't hurt so i sent i sent an email said what's going on and uh nothing no answer so now i'm starting andy the stress as you know I'm going through it you know the stress was starting to, you know, really, really add up, right? And and so I was talking to my friend who was also at my school, and and she was also going through it as going through it as well. And and she's and, and it's like the night before the disciplinary hearing. So I talked to my friend who was the chapter chair. He was going to show up with me at the Zoom meeting the next day with the discipline group. And um, so my friend says to me. She said, you know what I'm going to do? She said, you should do this too. Get all your paperwork, all your letters again and everything that they sent and you send it out one more time to everybody that you've ever gotten an email from from that downtown, you know, uh, squad. And uh, and so I said, that's what I did. So I sent it out only, and, and I sent it out and this time I sent it with um, a letter that I wrote based on what um, this lawyer that we had been in contact with. He basically said, you tell them to go pound sand. They can't take your job away. And it was really good. He fired me up. And it was through that group, California Educators for Medical Freedom. I want to give them a lot of credit because at that time, Andy, if we didn't have that group and their Sunday night Zoom meetings, I, I, I can't go further without saying how much your group And this group meant meant to me because I'd be looking at the chat and I said, I I work with that person, you know? And and Thelma says, oh, oh." and she came over and looked at the chat and she's like, I work with that person. And so, right immediately, there was that sense of isolation started to feel like, you know, I'm not alone, right? I think we talked about that last year as well how you feel just like, you know, you're the only one that feels that way. And so, anyway, I sent out the email, and at this point, you know, I can't sleep. It's the night before this meeting, disciplinary meeting, and so forth. Uh, I had the laptop open right here on this table where I was, and you know how you see the little red dot when you get an email, you know, or like little you know things. So I, so I was, I was just ready to go to bed, and uh, I looked. I said, "It's like 11:30 at night," and I looked. And I said, "Ah, oh, well." I checked the email. I said, "Dear, dear Mister Deschaine." we've received your information. Uh, We have accepted your uh, religious uh, reasonable accommodation based on sincerely had religious beliefs. Um, It's pending um, whether a job will be available in the online academy. Um, Let us know if this is acceptable to you. So I said, sure. So the next morning I go and my friend Larry meets me in the Zoom. And these two women from downtown, very cordial, very nice. And they start reading this spiel of some kind. Maybe you kind of know what it's like, Andy. They just read this like format of, I gotta remember what it was, but it was just of because you won't do what we tell you to do, we're gonna now move forward to remove you from the district. And um she went through all that. And do you have anything to say in your defense? And I said, well, yes, I do. I received an email from this person from the Sincerely Held Religious Beliefs Committee. They have a title, right? So uh, they, they measure your sincerity. I don't know how, but maybe they have a, a pipeline to, <laughs> you know, to somebody upstairs. Right. So they measure your sincerity somehow. And. <laughs> um I said yes. I was. Re- I didn't say that to them, by the way. Um, but I said yes. I received this. They're going to offer me a job on online. And they said, if they are. If, if, I said, if a. They said, if a job becomes available, will you accept it? And I said yes, I will. And it was like, they exhaled. They both smiled. And they went, Ah, oh, this meeting is over, Mr. DeShane. Good luck with your new position. And would you send us that email, uh, you know, forward it to me now? I, I said, sure. And I send it right off. And um, now is it. This meeting is over. And then my friend, the former chapter chair, he's like chatting to them. I'm like, what are you doing chatting with them? Like, no, this, this meeting is over. Right. And so they're like thanking him for coming and all this stuff. And he's like, thank you. That was a really good meeting. And I'm like, I, I want to get out of here. I'm sick of this. So then we were chatting, doing a follow up, and he was just trying to schmooze to get a little inside baseball or something. but he said he said, jim, when they he said, when they go through and they read that uh, formal complaint against you, he said that means they are not kidding about removing someone from the um, from the district. And he was saying that from past experience as a chapter chair, that's what he had seen them do before. and that's that's where that came. So then, and that was it. You, you guys probably want to cut, up, cut out about 20 minutes of this, Andy, from the final final product. But uh, but that anyway, that, that was the, the big moment. And then it was go through training. Uh, I have to tell you, the training that they put us through to get on board with City of Angels and online learning and all that stuff, you know, you'd come away from the training thinking, do they really want us to succeed or do they want something else to happen? You know, you feel like they want you to just roll up your sleeve and say, enough of this, you know, point me to, to the pharmacy, you know, cause I've had it with this, you know? So, you know, thankfully, you know, film and I are going through this together and we can chat about it and talk about it, you know, and, and so that, that helped, you know, that we could, uh, give like after action review of the training and say, what are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to do all this paperwork? And then that was basically it. They gave me an eighth grade class. Um, I'm, a, I'm credentialed in English and social studies, but I taught all of the eighth grade subjects. When I say taught, I taught, say, you know, loosely because uh, science and I'm comfortable with science, Andy, but I'm not a credentialed science teacher, you know, you know, like yourself and uh, and math. You know, I used to joke with my students, they wouldn't let me even carry a math uh, textbook. basically. But um, but it was it was, you know, you're learning and, and you know, you do your best with um, whatever YouTube has to offer. But basically, it was just online with ingenuity. And when they say independent studies, if the kids were not geared to working on their own independently with some kind of pretty. Uh, solid work ethic, like you know, like uh, get up in the morning and do your work and and quit at a decent time, not quit by nine thirty, but you know work into the afternoon and do it. Many kids just just surrendered, you know, they just surrendered to it, but um all in all this year with the teaching uh, i I just tried to. Build the relationships with them in as light a way and as just as a compassionate way as I could, figuring what they had been through after so two years of this, and and some of them I gathered that maybe the families were afraid of COVID, so they kept the kids home. I I didn't actually I didn't pry, so I didn't really know too much, but no one never really said. That like all um, oh, my parents keep me home because they're against the vaccine. I just never asked about it, so maybe it was, um, and I didn't really give a lot of information about why. You know, I was, I, would, I was online. I just said that I had been transferred to, you know, the online academy, and then and then we're at kind of a a spot here now. Where out of five hundred teachers, approximately five hundred teachers, who were teaching online, two hundred and twenty uh, didn't get offered positions in the new thematic online academies. And
0: uh, well, let's what I would say is that's that's going to be kind of the second half of what I'd like to talk about um, about this, these academies and things like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I like you went through a, a lot. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and as a uh, we we are light interviewers here, so we we neither me or Jessica is going to interrupt much. But um, I hope had hope there's something useful in. There. No, I, yeah, there's no, actually no, a sorry. lot for me. I want to go through, and maybe true true for you, Jessica.
2: Well, My can story- I just ask a clarifying question before I feel like that whatever you're going to ask is going to be big.
0: So I just want
2: to make sure I'm 100% understanding this. So had you already been teaching at the online academy while the shutdowns were happening? Or you were just teaching like your regular position online? um,
1: That's yeah, when when the March 2020, big shutdown happened when we went from in person to everybody go home, here's your laptop, kids all got a computer. And teach from home. I was actually the ninth grade dean that year. So I I was deaning from home. So it wasn't it it was kind of weird. The main thing we had to deal with was uh Zoom bombing. And that was a, a big rash of horrible things for um for a while until the teachers figure out that you could actually, you know, turn off the settings or you know, to make it. So it was bad. So that was I had to do it. so it a lot of calling home. Um, and, but other than that, there wasn't much, um, as that initial shutdown in spring of 2020, um, yeah, the initial shutdown of spring of 2020, we, we were all from home, right? Yeah. And I even taught summer school, um, online, uh, that summer, but that, that spring um, it was just I was basically calling kids, parents with the kids that just checked out and weren't going to Zoom anymore. It, 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 a lot of kids at the school, you know, Andy, you know, too, it's such a, you know, and Jessica from teaching college too, the, the social aspect is such a big thing to be without that is, uh, I mean, is awful. And, my, and that's why my son and daughter, too, didn't didn't like about that, too. They missed their friends so much we tried to compensate with other things the sports was still going on their water polo their swimming was still going on later that was taken away from them by the city because they kicked out the kids that didn't want to be vaxxed that was bad because you know that 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 hurt a lot
2: well yeah and then the like the part two just clarifying was i was just gonna ask so from there from the like bureaucratic view this transfer to the online academy was them providing an accommodation yes. because of your religious exemption. Yeah. Okay,
1: mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah, and other people got medical uh, exemptions and uh, there, there um, were some people, and Jessica, I think it was, you mentioned the other day about the common law approach. Was it, no, maybe that was Sandra the other day in the Zoom. I know a lot of people have used yeah. that. And, yeah. and there were some teachers that I came across that went the strict common law approach. And I think that they were the ones that ended up just completely being fired and yeah. had to, yeah. to fight their way back in another another way. I, my hat is off to them. That was that was brave. Um to, to do that. I and I think that had I been braver I would have been, you know, on, on that because I I don't like the idea of having to, like, uh, ask anybody to prove their sincerity when it comes to their, you know, their, their spiritual or non-spiritual outlook on something. Right. How can you measure it? How can you ask somebody to, to do that? And then uh, fall of 2021 was when it really started to get heavy. And that's what I talked with. Um, that brings us up to where uh, back again to that beginning of this. School year, where they said, No, can't stay home anymore. You've got to come here. You've got to wear the mask. You've got to do the uh, testing, the non
0: diagnostic testing. All right. I, I still have that picture on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I am going to go back to your story a little bit through things that I thought were significant. Um, and actually, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the stuff you mentioned about the church that you found. Um, mm. Because We've been talking about outreach, uh, Brandy and I, and workers and students for choice, and trying to figure out, like, what's happening? What, is there an audience for, for opposition to the mandates and to digital IDs and to surveillance? Um, basically, I'll characterize it as just all this crap around Fourth Industrial Revolution. Um, and I hear your story about your, your church that's growing And it tells me it suggests to me that there's a larger audience than I think, Um, because like like you said, all those other stale churches that are just going with the program and and being institutionalized in the same way. Politics has been institutionalized and education has been institutionalized into these calcified um, areas of fear and compliance and and harm like our schools now are doing harm to children. Um, in a way that's like direct because they're putting, I think, something that's very dangerous into them um, and saying, you have to have this in you if you're going to come to our school Um, or even if you are going to be online in some schools. Um, But the fact that your church is growing and younger people going to it, that actually was, to me, a pretty meaningful story. Um, And I'm really glad you started there. I didn't actually expect you to start there. But it, it, it tells me that there's people who are looking for places to go that aren't gonna have that aren't gonna be you know so with this program so i I do I did want to note that even though that goes mm. back earlier in your story um Jessica I don't know if you I mean there was some other stuff but I, I want to not just take up all the
2: um yeah I mean I have a few questions but i I'm also really eager to just get to the part about the <laughs> the like the academy and everything because I feel like that's gonna shed a lot of light on all of this Fourth Industrial Revolution stuff, but um, and just the future of education beyond, you know, not that our individual positions aren't important, but um, you know, some of that bigger stuff. But I guess one question uh, that's on my mind, um, just because of the like I've heard when we were going, we had pretty much the same I think it was October fifteenth or sixteenth, like almost exact same deadline. Um, up in Washington state. And so I knew a lot of people on campus just because I was the one, you know, trying to organize everybody together and hold protests and get information and stuff like that. A lot of those people had a really, really similar experience to you in terms of the exemption process. If that was the route that they chose to go down or actually common law as well was just being ignored. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to like the 11th hour right like for this huge huge thing and then just being passed around from person to person like it just became clear that nobody knew what was going on nobody knew what the process was um there's just no train like no transparency no organization nothing um and even right now I'm going through like a very like smaller version of this for a couple of classes that i'm supposed to teach online this summer and i turned in my exemption request and i just haven't heard anything like they just ignore you um i got even just trying to get like the form i had to go to like five different people and they all gave me different you know answers yeah. in terms of how to go about it and i just am wondering to what degree you think that um system because it's not like they didn't know they were going to do a mandate I mean this was like months and months of lead up um and I know like school districts and university campuses are big places but
0: I mean my god
2: like they had they knew what they were going to deal with like they surely knew that not a hundred percent of people were going to want to take this vaccine um so I guess I'm just wondering like to what degree do you think that the process as disorganized and uh terrible and just lack of accountability wise like do you think that that's by design or just sort of a natural like i'm not i'm not asking like oh is it like a conspiracy that they're just you know but i, I don't know it's just it seems to have been everybody's experience and i it just makes me think and and hearing you kind of go through your story and um it's just really upsetting too just thinking about you and so many people just, and and Andy went through this too, right? Like, just yeah. the process itself is punishment. Like, let alone the fact yes. that at the end of the line, you might actually lose your entire livelihood. But like the lead up alone is just awful.
1: This is uh, this is a really great question. I thought about this. <sighs> my my gut feeling is that. They had their script, right? And if a few people involved in enacting the script have a few pages that didn't make it out of the copier, well, then it still works into their favor in a way because they're going to have to wing it or. Imp- improvise something and uh you know hey that's okay if uh, i i just wonder if let's say at a meeting it was like it's okay if you drop a few emails let them let them sweat you know so how how much of that was planned uh i think either way it it fits into their their plan we we want these people to be um, injecting themselves. So we know that we have to go through this dog and pony show. Uh, and if along the, but we don't have to make it super comfortable for them. Right. So that that's what I think it was. Let's not make it super comfortable for them. And in some of them, uh, we're going to need them anyway for the online, um, Gizmos that that we've got coming coming down there, and so they've they've proven that they can withstand this virtual reality. I don't know. Yeah, that's what it is. But did I did I kind of answer that? I'm
2: totally totally, and I actually think it's like a great parallel to some of the stuff we're hopefully going to get to with the online future of education because with it, with that stuff, right? Like it's like, and we've talked about it from a lot of angles on this show of like when school districts or individual schools or even like individual classes or students like fail, it's only them that suffer, right? Like it's, it actually, from a systematic view, I mean, whether you view it as collateral damage or like helpful data in some cases, Um yeah, you know, I always think of just like you know, the, the 4IR, like when people say like, oh, like, but the technology is like not there yet to do everything they want to do. It's from one angle, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like something goes wrong with your bank account. You try to call in, right. And you get rerouted through the automatic thing and you can't get a person like the only person that suffers in that situation and has to deal with the consequences is you. Like the it doesn't matter for the bank, it doesn't matter for the system, right? Like it's it's you that suffers. So I actually think there's kind of a parallel there. Yeah. Um, to the broader objective of this whole
0: Yeah, you know, I think web of frauds. I think the mm-hmm. question you're asking, Jessica, is, is a is a very big question. We can probably spend an episode on about the yeah. nature of bureaucracy um and uh, the nature of bureaucracy in what i would say the capitalist state or or what i would this is a dictatorship i believe it's a dictatorship bourgeoisie i don't think we live under democracy but i do think because that's what happened in my situation as well is the reason that i got spit out of the system was because i expressed open opposition to what they were doing and i was I was saying it out loud. So I took more of the common law approach, but I didn't cite common law, but I, I took a common law like opposition to what was happening to me. And I publicized it among my colleagues because there are other teachers. In fact, a friend, my, one of my best friends at work, she didn't sign the very same thing. I refused to sign, but she's she was at work and then she ended up retiring, but they just didn't touch her because they only dealt with me because I made a deal about it. and mm. um, And so... I think bureaucracies are just people are just trained within it to say, you must identify people who are not going to work within the, the the gears of this machine and get them out. Um, and particularly now with COVID, it has reinforced the, the idea that there's things that you, you should not be putting sand or little monkey wrenches in the machine. You got to get all those things out because the machine is a machine of safety and the machine is a machine of getting people into the, into the lane of Vax, digital this, QR code that, and if you aren't prepared to be in that machine, you got to go because you're threatening the rest of us. Um, so this, the COVID narrative has only reinforced what was already existing before. And I do think Jessica, you, the analogy of us, me delivering an F to a student, is that same kind of thing. It's that same, I'm I'm part of that same machine uh, when I say, well, you just didn't fit here, you know, and uh, sorry, yeah. you know, and that's that's the very same system that i'm I'm a part of. That's the way that I turn the gear and spit people out um, when I'm kind of saying, well, I can't, you didn't turn your work in, you did it. I don't know what happened. All I know is it didn't m- match up to these particular specs. Um, and that I do believe that's how we all get institutionalized. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, that's a that's a great point, Andy. Uh, let me just uh, jump on that a little bit. I, I found myself through the online world being uh, much more lenient about leaving the assignments open longer and just, you know, think, why do I have to close it down uh, Friday at midnight? I'm just going to leave it open, you know, and say, okay, can you, can, you, can you get it in there? Just just go ahead and do it. And I would, like, send messages say, you know what? I decided to reopen that unit. It's you know just turn it in. <laughs> it's basically saying just just turn it in at this point, you know. And then and then some of them some of them do. Uh, this is, I, I guess we'll probably get into this in a little bit. But the 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 toll that it's taking on on everyone involved with this kind of uh, educational world we're in. You know, you, you wonder, and, and, and also look, look at the way we've been sold, the, the, the great idea of convenience through all of this. You can do all of this online. You, do, you know, you think back a decade or so ago, even more, like 20 years, you know, um, I remember when I was joking with a friend that I, I didn't know if I wanted to trust direct deposit. <laughs> so you know, i wanted to be old school and walk in with my check and see them actually you know handle it you know but i got over that and then everything just now well, look what you can do with your phone and i say oh i'll never do that i'll never do banking with my phone and you know it, it doesn't seem secure and then now just like you know the lendings are walking just marching and i'm and i'm one of them too it's um Convenience, and uh, we have let them in to our lives to such a degree. Um, I like what you were saying the other night on the Zoom about the, the the one day a week detoxing from uh, electronics, and I, I really want to do that. And I like to do it more than that, and, and try to. Somehow, take back some of our independence. Uh, take back some of our um, sense that that we don't need to. We don't need to live this way, you know. Um, but people think you're just a luddite if you if you do that. You know, how, how did my dad work for a company uh, for all of those years, and uh, somehow he didn't need a he didn't need a phone, right? My my mom knew that he was gonna come tromping up the stairs at uh, four thirty. <laughs> you know, I so said, "Why do we have to have this? You know, this constant what would you
0: call it? Like a like an ankle bracelet in our pocket, monitoring,
1: life
2: yeah. tracker." <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> um, I do want to move on to the to the um, uh, to the ver- the academy because, and and maybe I'll use a quote from your last one as well. Sorry, I was thing, handling. by the way. I, right? No, no, no. But the, the other thing I want to talk about is the, is the discussion. I, you didn't go into the d- details of the discussion between you and your wife on differences over where to draw a line. But that's a similar thing that Brandy and I have had to navigate throughout all of this, even though we're largely on the same direction. And I certainly have learned, well, I'm not going to say, it. what I have come to is, whatever line I was going to, once I was married and once I was committed in the relationship, even that was even true before I got married to Brandy, I did start to come to the belief that the decision of that line is just not my own. It is also my partner and our, it's part of our decision about the full course of our life because of the financial implications like that. So that's, that's just how I, what I've come to. um, And So whatever decision I made when I drew my line, I had to check with my wife, my personal I love about it, because if she had not been comfortable with me doing it, I wouldn't have done it or I would have done it differently um, to the point where and I would have negotiated with her. I would have argued with her, but I but out of that argument would have had to come some kind of consensus, some kind of compromise, which wasn't going to be just what Andy would want to do. And so I want to say that about that, because I think that's really a part of a relationship. And I think it's something everyone's having to deal with in this thing because yeah. they have loved ones who agree with them, yeah. but also, but don't necessarily agree about where that line is. And that's not an easy thing to navigate and it can create some strain. But I also, in my case with Brandy, I think it created trust um, mm. because we did it together. Um, and um, I don't know if she knows how much for me, I was really like monitoring myself in relationship to her, but I, I'm, I was very much like, conscious of i've got to keep always checking with brandy to see if if she's okay with some of these moves i'm making um and and that was an important part so i wanted to say that because it was really meaningful to hear um that part of your story as well even though you didn't get to the details yep, yep.
2: yep. i think that's 100 percent right andy but i also just from you know somebody who's like not married uh but you know, in a long-term relationship. I, I also think it's, I know this is not what you meant, but when you say like, um, like you have to check with somebody else, I think it's also just for anybody out there watching who maybe wasn't on the same page as their partner, um, you should never make a decision for your body that you don't want to make.
1: Well. To please <laughs>
2: somebody, no matter how much you love them.
0: So just- I mean, the fact is, is that, if Brandy and I weren't going in the rough same direction, I, this, this moment is a crowbar in relationships. It just opens a crowbar up in things. And um, so the only reason that, that I can say that is because I know we were going in the same direction, but we might not have, we might not have, we have different lines along it. But if I felt like we weren't going in the same direction, I, it's, then it's a different thing. I don't know if I have this ring on.
2: Yeah. I, I don't I don't think there's a ton of couples out there who are <laughs> super split, but I know there are a few because I know a few personally. Yeah. Um, but that's a different episode. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, academies. I, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um so you I guess one, one thing I would say is or ask is you you are not in the academy yet. It's it's an, it's a job to come or you are there. Right
1: now, I, I have been this year since October, um, since October 20th, 22nd, when they when they uh, gave me that, you know, that OK to go ahead. So since since October, late October and currently right now, it, what they did, uh, there's a school, probably San Francisco and other major cities have have them. It's like there's a city called uh, a school called City of Angels. And what it was, it was an independent studies. It's been around for a long time in LAUSD where like child actors would go to or something like that, where they just would go on a Friday and pass in their work to a teacher. The teacher would just sign off on it and the kid would go about his way. And for some kids, that can be a great way to go through go through school, right? It Avoid the GED route. And, and like, you know, and some kids are mature and High school is uh, boring for them, or they they feel like they're wasting their time. Maybe they're already working, and so there's lots of reasons to have something like that. Well, when the when the mandate was was uh, coming in the fall, including for kids uh, 12 and up, um, the on the online school City of Angels um, had to add teachers, right? It, because it just exploded. There were like 16,000 kids from what I'm told. If my Numbers are correct. 16,000 kids this year in the um, so-called online virtual academies. And there's six of them in geographic, uh, six geographic areas. And um, I'm actually teaching and my wife and I actually teaching in an academy. It, we're the total furthest away from the actual geographic area. Uh, as as we could be, which it doesn't matter, right? Um, so in the last month, they decided that they were going to change the academies instead of number, just number them one through six. They're going to have six thematic academies uh, like uh, STEAM, uh, Business and Entrepreneur, Arts and Entertainment, Computer science, world languages, and international studies. That's five. There's one more that I that I can't think of at the moment. But um, so there was um, there's uh, six six of them, and they actually some, um, they were letting people believe the teachers in the academies this year that your jobs were safe for the coming new year because we've got funding for two years with the thematic academies and, um, your, your accommodations are going to be, um, respected. And then on May 13th, they sent out letters and, um, my wife and I got acceptance letters. Um, so there were like of the 500 teachers, 300, approximately 370 were, um, Awarded positions, I guess, for want of a better word, awarded positions in the new thematic academies, and then like 220 teachers were were told, uh, and that's the that's the the language that gets infuriating, I think, because the letter sa- said to them uh, words to the effect of, although we have granted you your reasonable accommodation, gee, too bad. We don't think there's gonna be a position for you. And they're they're rightfully very upset and uh going through a real real hard real hard time, you know, real hard time. Like like we all were in the fall. You know, what's gonna happen? Are are they gonna, you know, let us have a job? So at the time being, like my wife and I were talking about it, saying, like, okay, for the time being, we're we're in the lifeboat, but you know, that life can be uh, tipped over. And the other day in a meeting, one teacher who was given a position, she said, well, how secure is my position? And the administrator who was very, I think uh, has tried her best to, to help people out through the interactive process and all that. She said, well, we still have to do norm day in the fall and kind of just left it at that. So if the numbers are there, the numbers are there. But see, the district did, I think, a, um, a smart move from their point of view. Um, they postponed the vaccines for the students, the mandate, until July 2023. So I think a, a lot of parents just figure well, that the kid doesn't have to do it. I might as well just send him back in person. He'd rather be in person anyway, be with his friends, be with their friends. And um, and. and The way the online program is, I talked to many parents and some parents have been very honest with me when I said to them, they say, well, why is my child failing in this online program? And I said, well, because they're not doing the work. I said, I sent you many emails about that. And I sent you progress reports. I said, don't you monitor their work? (laughs) The lady got indignant. And she says, I don't have time to monitor their work. I said, well, said, that, that's your job. I said, well, I have 32 kids to monitor their work, and I'm sending you emails to help me out. I said, well, I don't have time to read emails, let alone monitor the work. So he's going back in person anyway. Mm. So there's
0: a lot of that, too. That's mm. the aspect of it, that it isn't all it's cracked up to be. There's a, a lot to go into here. And Jessica, I figure, where do you want to start? Because... I, my concern, or some of my questions about the virtual school, it sounds like a, a, a new thing they're doing. It sounds like a new direction they're opening up, like a, like a flower they're opening up as a possibility for families. And, the, and now they're calling them not numbers, but academies. So they're trying to create this virtual opening to catch people in. Um, uh, my, my questions are, are not and concerns are not so much over employment or not, although I'm sure workers are afraid of that. Um, Jessica, what are questions you might want to start with in terms of the academy or thoughts you have about it?
2: I guess I want to know if you think that this academy system is the type of thing that's kind of paving the way forward for what looks like is going to be kind of the future of education. I mean, I don't know anything about it beyond what you know, we've covered in the past hour or so, but, um, yeah, like even just like the word academy, like it sounds very elite and it sounds kind of like it's potentially targeting or including like families that, you know, maybe don't have the same level of access as some of the parents who put their kids back in person. Um, so I could, I don't know if this is how they kind of frame it, but it sounds like it fits in very well with the sort of like yes, inclusive access and convenience that you talked about, right? Like you can be anywhere in the world. Um, yep. And yet I'm guessing it's very, like every online education experience, it's highly impersonal and automated. And I'm guessing it probably doesn't stimulate the level of critical thinking and certainly not joy that you probably did in your, in your in-person classroom.
1: Yes, that that's that's it, Jessica. In in a, in a nutshell, um, I don't know what to add about that. They do. Uh, I think I think some of the kids, even if they they think they're in a thematic academy, you know, um, do they are they under the impression that if they're in arts and entertainment, it's going to be like musical comedy all day? You know, they're going they're going to have to do. Um, Still do their math and their science and their core subjects, and the and the thematic academy is basically a couple of electives that will probably be geared towards that subject that they, I guess, have an affinity for, or maybe they love, or you know. So I thought my wife and I were deciding because they gave us a choice. Actually, um, pick your pick your uh, favorite uh, online academy, and maybe that's where you're going to end up teaching. So. My wife chose STEM, Steam, and uh, she got in that one, um, and I chose it too, kind of figuring that they need an English teacher in Steam, and maybe those would be the most serious kids. If they're in Steam, they'll they'll be more academically, um, you know,
0: enthusiastic. I guess. Right, and that's I think it's that's science, technology, engineering, yeah. and mathematics, right? Yeah, and those are pathways and. In your opinion, because you know what I'm thinking now, I, I honestly am wondering now when I heard that change of the date for the vaccination program, like when it was August 2022 20, when California was talking about it, because mm-hmm. I do believe that LAUSD, the direction LAUSD is going is really the is the future. They're the train that runs the the course of California education, and I think in many ways the national trends we're gonna see in education. Um, although Dallas, I think is, and, and Texas has got some stuff going on as well. Um, but it, it makes me think, particularly given the what you're saying, like they're, they're still struggling to get this virtual school program working. Number one, it's, I believe the district is actually committed to it. And I'd be wanna get your assessment that, do you believe the district is committed to this virtual program and is planning on trying to build it in time, like over time? And number two, part of me thinks that the actual change of the, like by changing the date by which they're saying kids are going to be mandated for VAX, gives them more time to build in the virtual infrastructure. Because when they, when they bring down the, the virtual, the vaccine hammer next time, that's going to push a bunch of kids back into that, into that program, and they're going to want to have built it out. So this gives them more time for that in in many ways and I hadn't really thought about this before because I had seen some of the vax changes of the vax mandates as kind of just in relationship to 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 push and shove around people having questions about the vaccines and how much they were accepting them but I now I'm starting to see it in relationship to their own timeline for building in this infrastructure that ironically they're building with teachers who refuse to be vexed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, which I think is so fucking
2: <laughs> <cruel biobolic. irony. laughs> yes.
0: yeah. That's a strange thing. So
1: it's like, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're helping to, um, to what? We're, 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 helping Mao on his long march you know, by, by paving, uh, paving the road or something. I don't know. I can't come up with the analogy, but um yeah, uh this is just so super strange. And then how does it tie in you guys with the potential for, you know, lockdown 3.0 because of uh um you know, zombie apocalypse or monkeypox or whatever kind of nonsense they they're, they're going to try to cuz cuz let's face it, any anybody with a with a laptop uh can be their their virtual academy teacher that's their faculty, you know it doesn't have to be the religious nut sitting here. It can, it can be, you know it can be anybody's. Okay, we are all a virtual academy now. Again, like they tried out the first year of uh, the madness, and and you're you're I think you're right, Andy, with uh, they're ironing out the bugs using the uh, the rebels. Uh, you know to 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 iron it out uh, I don't know it, it i I do get the sense this is just anecdotal from talking to parents uh with my class this year um, there's still reasons other than covid that um kid, kids might be better off at home, like some parents said um it's just like too difficult for us to. Uh, maybe they're co-parenting or something and it's too difficult for them because of work schedules to actually uh, bring their kids to school. I don't know how realistic that is, perhaps, but maybe it is. Maybe some kids have to take a bus for, you know, in L.A., you know, if you're, if you're dependent on, on a bus to get anywhere, uh, that's that's chancy at best. You might be on the bus for two hours. My son has a friend that comes to my son's school. Um, all the way from Koreatown up to the valley, and that that young man is on the bus two hours to get to my son's school. So, and then um, I've talked to parents that say um, they didn't. Their neighborhood school uh, was handling uh, fights and um, other things like that. So, and and, and then other kids. Um, one parent told me how their their daughter had too many problems with uh, kids, you know, bullying, bullying her and, and things. It was just better to stay home. She, the, the mom felt more comfortable with, with uh, her child being, being home. So I guess there's other, you know, I guess from, you know, our conversation, we, we look at it all has to do with, um, you know, the vax and the the, the thing they call the virus but there's other reasons other reasons too i think
2: too like there's probably a increasing sector of or percentage of kids especially the younger ones coming up who after two plus years of you know being ripped away from a social life now like feel super afraid of like whether because their parents or whoever has fear-mongered them or just because like if you haven't been with friends for two years, suddenly you, you know, it conditions you to be like happier, not happier, but you know, the, the technology is very addicting. And even at the college level, like I do have some students who are just like, you no, know, like the online is so much better for me. Like I i can stay home in my pajamas and I can practice self-care and i I'm, you know, I don't really want to go be with people anyway. I don't like people. <laughs> You know, and it's like, well, no wonder. I mean, that's what they've been conditioning everybody to be like.
1: Oh. Uh. Hi
2: Thelma. <laughs> Hello, everybody.
1: Hello there. Hi Thelma. Here's burning and I was talking about her in our in our uh everything about her. I think I yeah, I think I, <laughs> <laughs> Nice to meet you, everybody. You, too. You, too.
0: I'm glad you put yourself on camera for you.
1: <laughs> the teacher next door, and I crash her third grade class all the time. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he wants to teach what I teach. <laughs> I couldn't do it.
2: Bye. To meet you. Bye. 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 Nice to meet you.
0: Um, let's see, how do we want to start this up? So I, I know what Jessica had asked, cause James, you were talking about, we were all basically agreeing seemingly that, um, uh, that there's something ironically diabolical about, uh, this, these virtual academies forming, Um, and I think you agreed that, that LA is committing to this, this direction. Is that true? well i'm told
1: that they have uh 2 years of funding for it so I, yeah that's that's what i hear yeah uh, it's not like i get
0: told any inside scoop or anything and i and i think the thing that jessica was saying well maybe, maybe jessica if you want to try to once again summarize the the thing about the kind of like how they get people to kind of go along with this Do you want to try to say it again or i can ask it in a different way <laughs>
2: I think I was just talking about the conditioning, especially of children and young people, getting them more comfortable with getting their education through a screen as opposed to in person, and even liking that, you know, kind of like the, like if you can, what is it, if you can get your, uh, if the oppressor can get the oppressed to not only be like disempowered but to actually like that disempowerment whatever the quote's better than that um then that's sort of like the ultimate subjugation right and I feel like that's kind of what they're doing with successfully with some some kids who just would rather do it on online
1: yeah um it's insidious in that way and you could you could think how whoever the whoever the oppressor is, uh, it can, it can take many forms, right? Um, entertainment, sports, pornography, over the counter medication. Uh, how how much of a lockdown do you think we would, would we have been so susceptible to, um, to having them shove us into our homes? If, uh, I, well, I noticed that there's no beer shortage. You know, there's a there's a, a baby formula shortage, right? There's all of this, but there seems to be all through this, there was never any uh, beer or alcohol. Before. Or shutdowns. They didn't even close the liquor stores. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They shut down anything else. So, um, yeah, you get to... I think they're, they're moving to try to get people, like you said, Jessica, to um, like Stockholm syndrome or, or, right? Like um, learn to feel like, oh, this is for my own good. Look, I can, I can, I can stay home. It's, it's for my own good. How?
2: Or even for you, like, who doesn't want to get the vaccination, getting yeah. people like you to say, like, oh, like, thank you so much for giving me yeah. this accommodation. Like, thank yeah. gosh.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because uh, Thelma and I have had that kind of conversation, too, where, you know, like, let's not mess this up, right? But, you know, we want to make sure we don't want the, you know, the hand that's feeding us to, uh, you know, be insulted in any way, you know, and, you know that kind of thing, too. So that that in and of itself, um, it, it, it's pretty diabolical,
0: yeah, you And, and uh, we had an episode, I think it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago, when we interviewed Dea, which talked about how the, the, the year in which we were remote has affected the psychology of kids, them students coming back under conditions where they themselves are masked and shielded and not used to interacting with each other. Teachers feeling fear in relationship to students because of this this COVID fear that most teachers have and are thinking of them as more vectors of disease than about the kinds of things that form relationships. All of those things are breaking apart her school at Everett and making it an unsafe place where fights are breaking out and teachers are leaving or not wanting to deal. And that will also lead people to be like, I got to get out of this in-person brick and mortar education system, and I've got to find an alternative. So, and there's going to be not just COVID or monkeypox lockdowns. There's going to be greenhouse gas lockdowns. There's going to be all sorts of other reasons for shutting things down. There's going to be snowstorms and that in which, oh, we're just, we're because of snow New York and places like that are going to be shutting down for two weeks and three weeks. We can actually really wait for the snow to go away. And and this is already something that's built into it because, because to me, what you are being put through is really at the heart of what I feel like all this stuff has been about. Like, and that's why it was really interesting to listen to your last episode where I think you framed it around eugenics, which could be going on still. I mean, I think, yeah, we can, but personally, I think, this whole transformation of society that we are this, that we are discussing really just in the aspect of of education because it's happening in telemedicine as well. And in, in all areas of employment, this is what I think this whole thing has been about. Mm. Um, And I do want to actually show a quote because it was interesting to hear your interview. And I want you to see your interview again, because I asked you a question um, and then I'm going to get you to comment on it in relationship to what, what you're being kind of pushed into is saying like, you can't teach here in person, but here we'll offer you this opportunity. Um, and let me share my screen here. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. And I just asked you a question about what is that, you had talked a little about eugenics and COVID, but I asked you kind of what's the, what is that dark future you're worried about in education? Um, and this is what you you had said okay the the dark future
1: uh, it's like something <laughs> where people the teacher puts on some kind of 3d goggles or something and the kids have it as well, and there's no no humanity uh, whatsoever it's just clicking a link or or answering a test on a screen and um like in in I guess it could be done from almost anywhere, you know, and like a I don't know, it, it just kinda science fiction type thing that I don't think is is healthy. Um I think that we must do what some of these parents are doing in some of the school boards around the country now, like in Arizona and so forth, saying, no, uh, our kids are not going to be wearing the masks anymore. Our kids are going to go back and we're going to go back without the masks, without the testing, or any of that. It's not necessary. The reason I wanted
0: to show that is it's you, even back then, I think you were aware of where they are trying to take this stuff. And I think we're seeing that in play. And I was contacted by a person who's trying to start a freedom school. And they were like, well, we're looking for a physics teacher, but we can't find one locally. Would you, would you be willing to like, she's in San Diego, would you be willing to like, zoom in as, and I would, you know, but as i listen to your story and as i see what you're saying there <sighs> there's no future through the vaccine but unfortunately there's no future through zoom you know and both of those things are traps um and i would help them i told them i would help them out but i think even if i did that i'm fall we're falling into that same place i think the thing that is really being broken down here and you had mentioned it other time in your in that interview is the notion of people seeing each other being in person, experiencing each other—that is what is essential in education. Um, and it appears that LAUSD is well on its way and leading the charge in California towards trying to find a way to do exactly what we feared was was coming.
1: Yeah.
0: And I just was interested that even even back then, I think you were, you had an instinct for that.
1: I think they. They want to kill off any spontaneity in the classroom and and really just take away um, that wonderful rogue element that you can get once in a while. When the kid asks the right question at the right time and it takes the discussion off into an area where they really get to know the teacher, the teacher gets to maybe uh, unveil something about him or herself. Debate, I think, in this brave new world, real debate, not to win at all costs, but to share ideas and speak freely. that's got to be stifled and squashed. And what better way to do it than here? Watch this video. How do you argue with a video right? you You have to what dig out another video to show that video and <laughs> responding to it. You know it. It's just killing it off. You know, what would Socrates say? Or what would he ask? It's the only- <laughs> so it, it's it's terrible. What what about these old school professors that I, I'm sure are still around? Um, maybe, Jessica, you can, you know, uh, talk about this, right? The old uh, professors that have that same notebook from whatever. Now these guys are probably from 1968 or something and they know the subject so well. And and I remember uh, the lecture hall would be filled, even with people that um, weren't that particular major. Let's say it was the history of Massachusetts or some special course that the professor taught and you had all kinds of math majors, science majors. It didn't matter because if you went to that college, you had to take that guy's course because before he left this earth you needed to experience how much this particular professor knew right i guess you can watch their videos on youtube but it's 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 not the same as as the real thing we need the in person connection and uh, they don't want us to
0: have it yeah but Jessica, do you have any final thoughts or things to ask?
1: Um, I don't know
0: what I want to say to wrap up.
2: I guess it's good you kept those animal farm
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> sheets. <laughs>
2: yeah. It does feel very Orwellian. It
1: sure does. Um,
2: I don't know. I, For some reason, my mind's kind of going back, circling to the beginning of our discussion and some of the ways that you talked about I mean I know it was in the context of the religious exemption but I'm curious you know just coming at this whole thing from the angle of faith you know whether it's Catholicism or you know we all have our different sort of spiritual beliefs and yeah I mean I was drafting my own religious uh accommodation request or whatever the other week um and on the one hand, I felt really, really disgusted at just the idea of having to like put that into a form and submit it to some anonymous machine to like be graded on a rubric that I, I can't even see, you know, <laughs> what the rubric is. I wouldn't give my students a test on Something that you know I didn't even tell them what the test would be on, um so it's obviously really gross, but I also that it was an interesting experience, like having to kind of articulate from a spiritual perspective, and I mean, I'm not Catholic, but um it actually felt less the process of writing it, not turning it in, but the process of writing it felt less disingenuous than I thought it would, um so I guess I don't know what my what question I'm up to here but I guess just maybe to come back to um faith as one I mean I don't think we're gonna get through this time let alone create the resistance and you know the the types of education or the communities that we want to create like without some degree of faith and it might be um you know very intersectional in terms of you know a right-wing, left-wing, Catholic, Buddhist, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that one of the kind of, I mean, that's obviously somewhere that you draw strength from in your life. Um, does that, I don't know, yeah, like faith, hope, what What are your thoughts with regard to the, the future for your students, but also for yourself?
1: Yeah, um, I think it is a place where uh, the idea of faith and the belief in a higher power, um, it's something that can bring, uh, people together in spite of the world around us and the materialism and the, uh, attempt to, to drive us into the separation and, um, Whenever we have a chance, whether you're Catholic or Buddhist or or agnostic, atheist, the quest for the truth is what can bring us together. So um, people can disagree about things, but when we have a, a common desire to fight lies, Wherever the lies are coming from, whether they're coming from Rome or or Washington D.C. Or, or if they're lies, then we need to stamp them out and 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 um and and put the tr- put the truth out there. So I, I think faith, um, for me it's Catholicism and uh, it you know it, it gives it gives a lot of, it gives a lot of strength because I think there's the, the basis in a, a searching for the truth. There's not, uh, there's, there's nothing there. As long as, long as we have a God given intellect and we have curiosity, we have, a um, this sense that, um, it's okay to, it's okay to question and through that questioning and even doubting at times, but a, um, a sincere and honest uh, drive to understand what's right and what's wrong, just just as um, whatever you might call it, that I think that is that is a pleasing aspect of what makes our uh, our humanity um, come together and really really be be one together. It is just too bad that um, there's so much division. That I think. Doesn't need to be there, and I think that um, we'll call it the oppressor. I like what you said about calling it the oppressor, or call it the government. They want us to hate each other. You know, they, they want um, look look at Ireland, Protestants and Catholics. You know, at each other's throats. You know, for all of this time, who who benefits from that? You know that that's. Is look, look at it. Look at our country here. The, the black and white divide. And are you kidding me? can you imagine what it would be like if we, if we all just looked at who really is the troublemaker and i i think it's you know the, the federal government or the corporation or, or whatever you want to say you know i i guess i'm just saying that that's the the boogeyman but it it really appears to me and and you mentioned that about the the right the left or or Republican or Democrat. I, I know I feel like, I feel like now just a pox on both your houses, you know, forget it. You know, how many, how many times are, are we going to be suckered in by a party that wants to be number two, wants to be subservient to the Democrats, but yet, oh, don't worry, the midterm elections are coming up. Oh, this time, this time it's gonna be different. They said, no, it's not. I'm not gonna be different because they're <laughs> I I think they're all one and the same at this point. I and 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 actually, you guys, I don't trust any of them anymore. Mm-hmm. That's that's how that's how I feel, you know. And you tell me, you know. I'm at the point where I have actually thought that I won't vote in the June 7th um, sham for mayor or whatever it is down here in L.A. I haven't even looked at the ballot hardly. And, um, you know, I I think, is, is it even going to be counted?
0: Well, you can join us in composting your ballot as Eduardo is <laughs> starting his campaign to do.
2: A new green movement sweeping yeah. the country. Composter <laughs> ballot.
0: Um, I like well, <laughs> the, the thing I wanted to share with you, um, James, is one, first, it's good to have you on again. But as always, it's really interesting what are the things that... Uh, that so one of the big things that you said that really left an impact on me was when you talked about the, your church being willing to... Deliver the host directly on the tongue as opposed to like throwing the host. And, it, and I, I, like, I don't, that's not my religion. Like, I'm not even part of that whole thing. In fact, I've had criticism, I have criticism, I've had criticisms of, of these symbols and things like that. But honestly, when you said it, it made me sad in the same way when I thought about people who weren't seeing their loved ones die and were separated from them. It made me sad that that, that is what they've done to people who believe. They've got them to, it's sacrilegious. They've yeah. got them to, to to engage in sacrilege in the name of this out of something that is like, as I understand it, like when the when it's put a place in the tongue, it becomes the body of Christ. And like that's supposed to and like you can't throw that thing at people and like put it far away. Like, yeah. well, what the hell are yeah. they doing? I, it, I was yeah, I'm
1: glad you brought that up. I'll give it a quick quick uh, Catholic one oh one. Well just read like it's it's if okay. Um what makes uh, Catholicism and, and other religions too, uh, like I say, maybe the Greek Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox, is the belief that the host is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and and not and not symbolic. That's what makes I would say Catholicism supposed to be different from from Protestantism, where it, they many Protestant pastors will call it a, a symbolism. It's symbolic, you know, yeah. from the Last Supper. But the um, what what brought us to this uh, particular church is they they do the mass in the traditional Latin. Uh, one nun at another church who knows my family, she I I she she said, "Where have you been? The, the church where they give communion in the hand." This other church where my kids were had made their first communion, and um, and so the nun said to me, "I don't see." I see your kids sometimes here, but I, I don't see you that much. How come you guys haven't been coming very much? And I said, "Well, um, we go to the traditional Latin Mass at this other church," and 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 she looked at me like this and she said, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, we love it." I said, "And my kids, my kids love it too." And she said, "Do they know what century this is?" And I, <laughs> I thought, "Okay, good
0: for you. Well, and I, I well, that's what I'll say about it: is it's interesting to me that. In 2022, the act of placing that host on the on the tongue on the directly on the tongue is now an act of resistance, yeah. and yeah. that it, it again is reminding me of like where you were go- where we're going to find centers of resistance are going to be in places that are going to surprise us, and you know, I also what was meaningful for me in this episode was to remind myself that we are all trapped in this machine because. You are being trapped to do the very thing that you don't want to go down. You don't want the Oculus. And here you are. But I'm trapped in the same thing with institutional Like when when I when Jessica mentioned that point of like, OK, there's these bureaucrats who who decree your job is now going to be lost. Like they open up this large scroll as they did in the old days. And here's why you're about to lose your job like they did to me. Yeah, I, but me being part of this system where I'm delivering grades to say, you get an A, you get a B, you get an F. I'm, 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 I'm stuck and, and doing a, a similar thing as well. And, you know, it, it reminds me, it has reminded me wow, my desire to eventually like to get out of this thing, like to get to really get into edu- an educational experience with families and students that I actually believe in because I'm still Mm -hmm. stuck in something I don't believe in. Um, and it's my job. It it earns a wage. I can find some, it's in person. So I can find some elements of that, but I'm still trapped in it. And, um, this has really been helpful for me to like, just remind myself of kind of unexpected places of resistance Mm -hmm. and just to remind myself, I, I need to get out of this thing.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's amazing to see. I, I agree, and that's how I feel about teaching now uh, as well. You know, you, you're 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 in this. You're in it, but not of it, kind of thing. And okay. and by the way, the the church that we go to, uh, it's it's growing. It, it's they actually outgrew the little church, and we have uh, we have mass under this big tent, and now. Um, they actually fill the driveway all the way out to the street with people, um, with parishioners, you know, just it, it's amazing how it's growing. And to see to see young families there as well with three, four kids and stuff, you know, so I'm sure that'll drive the, the, the people in Sacramento. Uh,
0: <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> no, but I I'm glad you could take your time to tell us what's going on and and you know yeah. we're gonna be talking more about this stuff as well. um And I think that's it because Jessica, you got to get going, right?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, this was really awesome though, and it was cool to meet Thelma for a minute.
1: <laughs> well, I I just wanna just tell you, uh first of all, but uh this has just been a real joy for me to connect with you both again, and I am. Uh, I'm humbled. I mean it. I'm humbled that you would uh, call upon me to actually, you know, have spend this time. Two hours of of somebody's time is 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 a lot. And um, and hopefully, like we said last year too, if, if somebody sees it and gets inspired to think about something a different way, or yeah, or maybe someone will will connect with you again, Andy. And this will keep the ball moving, and 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 more people will. We'll we'll join in and so forth. But I want to
2: keep thank- the church growing.
1: Exactly. <laughs> here, we
2: here
0: we go. Yeah. Amen. Um, <laughs> that's right. Hallelujah. do um, <laughs> you want to go while I do the outro, or are you?
2: You can go. Go ahead. You can do okay. it. I got it imagine.
1: All
0: right. Here we go. Thank you, James. And I I think somebody is going to hear this, and I think it's going to make an impact. So um, it was really good to hear all you had to say um okay that does it for this week's episode what's left is a weekly political podcast channel challenge the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog what-s-left.webnode.com you can find past episodes to this podcast channel there and connect with us i remind folks if you like anything you have heard please subscribe rate review turn on your notifications uh comment to any of our uh episodes um And to any of our eight platforms or nine platforms that we're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Telegram and Rumble. Um, You can find our blog and any of these links on those episode notes wherever you found this episode. Um, If you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, So that's it for today. Uh, James, once again, thanks for being part of this episode. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for doing all you're doing um uh, out there fighting mandates in LA. Um and Jessica, great to have you here. And I guess we'll see each other next week although Jessica, are you going to be here next week?
1: i
2: Think so, yeah. It's the one after that I'll be Okay, two here. weeks from now. Okay. But yeah, we'll talk.
0: All right, bye folks. Bye.
1: Thank you, Mandy. Thank you Jessica. Good night.